I remember when I wasn't very <clears throat> much older than you, and I was sitting at a table with a roommate of mine. I was like a freshman in college, and uh, we were having this conversation. And the conversation was about the topic of love, and we were asking, we were really arguing, uh, even fighting, you might say, uh, about what love is. And, and we, we were arguing along these lines. I said love is a, a decision that we have to make. And then he would counter with, well, love is a feeling. And we had this argument. It probably lasted like an hour and a half. And as I think back on the conversation and I kind of look around at the people I know, I don't know you, but the people I know, want to know what love is. And it seems like uh, it wasn't just one conversation at a table however many years ago, but, but it's like this burning question deep inside of people. And people kind of want to know what love is for like a variety of reasons. And, you know, like some of you that sit here in front of me today, like you've already been in romantic relationships where people have said, I love you to you, and then they broke up with you. And you're like, well, that didn't feel like love. That doesn't make sense to me. And some of you have parents who talk about their love for God and they send you to a Christian school, but when you get home with them, they're not that nice to you. And somewhere deep inside of you, you got like this, this like question like, well, these people talk a lot about love. And they're my parents, and I say I love you, but this, this relationship, it doesn't really feel like love. And some of you want to know what love is, I think, because like you're looking at people who are raising their hands and they're singing about how much they love God, and then you think about the way they treat you at school and how you had to deal with them this morning, and you're like, man, if they really love God, then I don't really like this love thing. And some of you, it's God himself, and you're like, wow, I, God let this happen, and this happen, and this happen, and, and then the Bible says he loves me, and I'm supposed to love him back and try to figure all that out, and I just... I just need to know what love is. It's crazy because in 2012, the number one thing Googled worldwide was not Miley Cyrus or the Hunger Games. It was actually one single phrase. The single phrase, what is love? It's the most Googled thing in 2012, which is the latest year I could find stats for. People all over the world want to know what love is. I saw this quote about that stat. After all the searches for celebrity gossip, after all the queries revolving around mindless entertainment, after all the countless quests for the latest news, we're still left with the burning desire to understand the significance of human connections. I stumbled upon an article when I googled what is love, and see what I did there? And uh, there was five different opinions on on love, and they had experts in different fields. And I just want to read you a couple of those because it shows just how far away our world is from really understanding love, that smart people could just be so different in their view of what love is. A, a physicist said this, love is chemistry. That's boring. We talk about love. Sorry if our science teacher is here. I don't know. Forget. <laughs> chemistry is awesome. Enjoy chemistry. Pretend I didn't say that. We talk about love being blind or unconditional in the sense that we have no control over it. But then that is not our 
not so surprising since love is basically chemistry. The brain can release a whole set of chemicals. And then I, he says a bunch of words that show that I didn't like chemistry that much and I can't read them to you. Uh, and, and basically what he's saying is like love is just this like biological thing that exists inside of us. And, and we're like, wow, that guy's smart. But, but we know, I mean, I don't have to prove this to you, that love is not just like chemicals, right? I mean, I, that just doesn't make any sense. And then on the other side, a romantic novelist says this. She really says nothing, but this is her words. Love derives, drives all great stories. What love is depends on where you are in relation to it. Secure in it, it can feel as mundane and necessary as air. You exist within it almost unnoticing. What? Like, what is that? That doesn't mean anything. Like, she said words. She's not a very good romantic novelist, in my opinion. And so, I, I like you. I'm, I'm just like you. I really want to know what love is. And when I want to know what something is or what life is about, I open up the Bible. And in the Bible, there's a passage of scripture that you have heard at weddings written by a guy named Paul who was writing a letter to a church. And he was looking at this church and saying, wow, you people are not very loving. This is not love. And you talk about loving each other, but, but this is not what it is. And he launches into a description of love that you have heard if you've ever been to a wedding. A love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking, it does not envy, it does not boast. You know all of that. But as I read that in my desire to know what love is, I had a problem with it. I'm like, okay, that's a great description of love, but I want to know what love is, not what it looks like on a daily basis. I want to know what it actually is. Let me explain. Like, If you said, what is a car, and I said, a good car is motor, wheel, spark plug, axles, tires, body, seats, exhaust, you would be like, okay, what is a car? And for me, just in my own mind, like a description of love is not very helpful if I don't understand what love is. And so today in the next like 15 minutes or something like that, I, I just want to tell you what I have learned from the Bible uh, about what love is. And, and I think, I think that I am going to give you the greatest definition of love that the world has. I haven't searched all of Google yet, but uh, I think that I will give you an imperfect, uh, but maybe the best definition that currently exists on the planet of Earth of love. And so that should be exciting for you. And the first thing that you need to understand about love when we go to the Bible is that the Bible was written in Greek. Did you know that? The Bible was written in Greek, the New Testament, I should say. And in it, it uses a word for love that was very, very unique to the culture at the time. It uses a word that is agape. And if you were to go back and you were to look at all of the other writings at the time in which the Bible was written, you would see that when they say love, they use other words. But the Bible uses agape. It's so rare in other Greek literature at the time in which the Bible was written by a bunch of guys. It's so rare that for a long time people thought that the biblical authors, as they were inspired by God, made up the word to define this thing and to explain this thing that humans know as love, that English speakers know as love. It's like, this is what I think, it's like God looked down and he was looking down and he's like, man, all of those relationships that are characterized by love don't look like what love really is. 
And so here's a different word that hasn't been tainted and hasn't been messed up and hasn't just, uh, just been destroyed by culture. Uh, let me throw up. Did that work? That did not work. I don't know what I'm doing up here. I'm sorry. I'm going to hit try again because that seems like a good idea. Um, and I'm going to keep hitting Bryn. Oh, you slide that way. That's no, oh, that's backwards. I didn't want to go that way. Play slideshow. Got that. But I can't go forward. I can only go backwards. Don't look at the next slide. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I'm dead serious. Close your eyes or I will show you what unlove looks like. There it is. Okay. That looks much better. You can open your eyes. Thank you. Um, and, and so I think God looked down at these relationships right here, relationships that we characterize by love, like affection, the love that parents are supposed to have for their children and children for their parents, and friendship, the love that you're supposed to have for people that are kind of like you and like to do the same stuff as you and you think they're cool, and, and in romantic relationships where people get married eventually and things like that. These things are all supposed to be characterized by love, but you've seen that they can be really messed up, right? Like sometimes parents are mean to their kids and sometimes friends are backstabbing and sometimes marriages and romantic relationships end. We know that. And so I think it's like God looked down and he's like, all those words that you use for love, they are just wrong and they don't work. And so I want to teach you what love is. And he uses this new word, the word agape. And this is what the Bible says. The first thing that you need to hear, if I can switch it, there it is. This is what it says. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Check this out. This is such a, just the most important phrase, that, one of the most important phrases all of scripture. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that love is God. In fact, one of the problems with the way in which we try to do love is that we make it a God. And when you make love out to be a God, it really becomes a demon in your life. But the truth is, God is love. It doesn't work opposite. So what does it mean? It means this. It means simply that when we think about God and the way he interacts with us, the people of the world, that one of the best words that we could possibly use to describe it is the word love, the word agape. It means that one of the key characteristics of who God is, his very nature, his very being, is the characteristic, the attribute of love. And the Bible says this really crazy thing. Romans 5, 8, it says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is key. This is how God demonstrates who he is as a being of love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then, in 1 John three sixteen, this gets said in a, in a different and more profound and really more important way because this is really just going to get us to the bottom of what love is. If you're wondering, like, man, I don't know, I want to know if I love that person and if I should marry them someday, and I want to know if my parents love me and I want to know how to be more loving, then this is your answer. 1 John three sixteen is going to show us everything that we need to know. This is how we know what love is. Not from Google. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ has laid down his life for us. 
This is like something that, that I would, if I were you, I would just go home and I would reflect on just this one sentence. Like if you just go home and you just sit around and you think about this all day, you'll be a better person for it. I can promise. But until you have time to do that, because we don't want you to get up and leave right now, I, I, I want to help you out with, with really what I think about this, some of my reflections on this. I'll tell you what I used to think it meant. I used to think that it meant that love was sacrifice. But that can't be true because sometimes sacrifice is simply sacrifice. And if sacrifice was love and love was sacrifice, then there would be no need for two different words. And so love is not only sacrifice, but love is defined in the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So let me just tell you, this is what I think it means. And this is so exciting because I answer the question, it answers the question that the whole world apparently has. And this is what it it says to us. When we look at Jesus and the story of Jesus, there are four really key aspects to him laying down his life for us. The first is, is this. That God looked down and he wanted what was absolutely best for people. God looked down at the earth. If you don't know this story, he looked down at earth and he saw a bunch of people who were sinners. All people were sinners. And he was like, wow, because of their sin, they are going to hell. And they are separated from a relationship with me. But I don't want that to happen. He looked down, and this is what he did. God said, I want the best for them. And the question is why? Why did God want the best for us? I mean, generally, the things we create, we don't care about them in a little while. We might have, like, one thing that, like, a great drawing we did or a song we wrote or or something that we think is really cool that we made. But generally, like, most of the stuff we make, it ends up in the trash. But God looked down, and he's like, I want the best for them. Let me tell you the reason. It's quite clear in the Bible. The reason is simple. He saw that each and every one of us, even you, had inherent worth and value. He looked down and he remembered, I created those people in my image, and so therefore, no matter how bad they feel about themselves or no matter how many mean things people have said to them or how good they don't feel about life and the way that they go about it, even despite all of that, I can see their worth and their value because I created them in my image. So God's like, okay, I want what's best for them. And here's what's best for them. He said there's two things they need. The first thing that they need is grace. They need to have sin removed from their lives. That's what grace is. It's somebody forgiving us for our sins when we don't deserve it. So God's like, I, I want to see the sin, all of the bad stuff that they have done wrong. I want to see that forgiven because the only way that they can come into a relationship with me is the only way that they can go to heaven someday. And so I want to see that removed. But he's not like, I only want their sin removed and that's it. He's like, I want to offer them mercy. I want to see them succeed and be whole and have peace and feel forgiveness and feel joy and, and feel happiness and understand how much I love them. I want them to be whole and, and, and full beings. And here's the last part. God didn't just sit in heaven, which would have been a terrible story, and, and sit there and go, wow, I understand their worth. I would love for their sins to be taken away. It would be really great if they could like be whole and feel good about themselves and have a good relationship with me, but I'm going to sit in heaven. And not do anything about it. Instead, if you've ever read the Bible, he said, you know what? I'm going to come 
in the person that we know as Jesus. And I'm going to be born of a virgin, I'm going to live a sinless life, and then I'm going to die the worst death the world has ever known so that they can have that best. He said, I'm not just wanting that, but I'm actually willing to sacrifice for it. And so in this, I mean, this is how we know what love is. What is love? Let me say it to you in a sentence that rhymes, be very helpful for you, I promise, and explains, I think, as well as any sentence ever written, what love is as defined by the death of Jesus. Love is them above you as their goodness you pursue because of their value. I would like to be called Dr. Seuss from now on. Love is them above you as their goodness you pursue because of their value. Love is saying, I will lower myself for the other person's good. Why? Because I understand how much value they have, how much they are worth, how important they are. It's exactly what Jesus did. He looked down, said, they are worth something. I want what is best for them because of that worth. And I'm willing to sacrifice to lower myself in order to make it happen. It's that clear. Love is them above you is their goodness you pursue because of their value. Will you say this with me? Can we? Can you do that? Okay. On three. One, two, three. Love is as their goodness you pursue because of their value. Very good. And here's the thing about this definition of love that makes it so much better than so many other definitions of love in the world. It, it really it, it applies to all of these relationships that are normally kind of naturally characterized by love. A mother has a child or two in this picture and she looks at them and she's like, wow, because they came out of me or because I have this innate kind of chemical feeling towards them or because I, I see like how cute they are. She understands their value. And what does a good mother do? She says, I will lower myself. I will sacrifice for them because I see their value and I want what is absolutely best for them. You know it in friendship, right? I mean, friends look at each other and like, man, I value you because you're similar to me and because you make me feel good about myself and because we have fun when we spend time together. And so you're willing to like go and help a friend move. You're willing to lower yourself for their good. And in a good romantic relationship, you know, a man looks at a woman and, and he's like, wow, you have so much value because you're perfect, you know? And like you, when I see you and the feeling like right here, it, like there's so much value in like my heart coming out of my chest. And I mean, you know, you're probably sitting next to the person you feel this about right now. And, and you're like, oh, don't look to your left ear right now. <laughs> And you're like, wow, they have more value than any human being in the world. And so you lower yourself, especially at the beginning of relationships, in order that the other person's good can be had. You're willing to sacrifice for it. It's why guys spend so much money on girls at the beginning of the relationship because they see their value far more than they do in 10 years. <laughs> I had to register with the adults on my left up there. Like, wait, what? Love is them above you as... Their goodness you pursue because of their value. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
if you leave here, I'm going to assume most of you are Christians tonight, but, uh, but maybe some of you aren't. Maybe you've like, never given your life to Jesus. And, and this, this is important for you, even if, if, even if you're not a Christian. Like, if you're just a person who doesn't like Jesus and you're against him and all of that, and I would love to talk to you about that. But, but even so, this definition is important because you're like, I want to be more loving. I've never heard a person say, I don't want to be more loving. Everybody wants to be more loving. I'll tell you how you can be more loving. It's quite simple. You look at a person, you recognize their value, and then you say, I want what's best for you, and you're willing to sacrifice to make that best happen. Notice now one key, really just important note that you need to know. It doesn't mean that you do whatever they want you to do. It doesn't mean that you do whatever makes them feel good all the time. It's not about their feelings or what excites them or anything like that. It's really about their goodness and what is good for them. Not what is fun for them, not what is easy for them, but what is good for them. But most in this room, at this school, are probably Christians. And here's the really bad news. Really, I'm about to call John 3.16 bad news. But this is like the hard part for us as Christians. Because John 3.16, you might know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see what God does in John 3.16? He says, look, I see the value of the whole entire world. And I see it so clearly that I'm willing to sacrifice everything for their good. And if we are Christians, people who follow the son that that verse talks about, then we don't just have an obligation to our parents and our family. We don't just have an obligation to our, to our friends. We don't just have an obligation anymore to look at people that we think are cute and say, I see your value. We have an obligation, and this is the hard part, to the whole entire world. We have an obligation as Christians to look at every single person, no matter how much we dislike them, no matter how difficult they are, no matter how much they bother us, every single person on the planet, we need to look at and recognize their value and say, I want what is best and good for you and I'm willing to lower myself in order to make it happen. Christians all the time, all the time. And it's, it's a dirty lie and I'm sorry that Christians lie so much, but, but all the time, I love everybody. You like to talk about loving everybody, but are you really willing to lower yourself for the good of every single person on the planet? You probably said, you probably said it in the last week, like, oh yeah, I love everybody. I mean, it's like, it's just so simple to say. But are you really willing to lower yourself for the good of everybody else? But that is our obligation. Jesus tells this amazing story that really summarizes it, and I'm not sure if I'm over my time, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's such an important story. He says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. He didn't want to have to love everybody. He didn't want to have to lower himself for everybody. And so this is what he asked. And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The priest is like the head honcho of the religious society for these people. I mean, this is like the, the guy religiously and spiritually, and he just goes to the other side and ignores him. So to a Levite, another really important figure, another guy who should be spiritual and really love God and love people, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by to the other side. But a Samaritan, this is like the low of the lows for the Jewish people in the way they thought. To be honest, the Jewish culture was racist against Samaritans because they were only half Jews and they didn't worship God correctly or in the correct place. And so Jewish people looked at them and they, they were uh, they were bigots against them. And so Jesus now talking to a bunch of Jewish people, and this, this is what he says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The experts in the law replied, and they probably hated saying this, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus says the people that you are to recognize the value in are not the people that you're related to. It's not the people that you're friends with, that you like. It's not the people that you're romantically interested in. It's the person who is nearest to you. Jesus says you are supposed to see the value in every person in a way that causes you to want their best and to be willing to lower yourself to sacrifice for that best. And here's what it means for you and I. It means, first of all, that we need to be people who look at others in our lives and say, I'm going to do a better job of loving you. You know, if you're not a Christian or you are a Christian, then you still want to be more loving. And the best way to do that isn't to say, I'm going to try really, 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 really hard to be more loving today. I'm going to just... Ugh, it's just going to be, I'm just going to, I'm going to try. The best way is to look at the people in your lives and say, wow, you have value. And to remember why you, why you understood their value in the first place, to remember anything good. Maybe some people you're like, I don't know if I can find anything. Just find like one thing and just be like, man, just in that one thing you have value. And so I want what is best for you and what is good for you and I'm willing to lower myself to not yell at you to do whatever it takes to help you succeed and for those of us who are Christians the obligation is bigger the obligation is to look at every single person not just the ones that we already have relationships with but every single person and to remember their worth and to be willing to sacrifice for their good really to love every single person. And here's my question. Two questions for you if you're Christians. First of all, do you have an enemy that you need to remember the worth of? Is there somebody right now just popped in your head you're like, man, I don't think there's anything good about those people. I don't like them. And if you knew what they did to me, and here, I get it, I get it, I get it. But Jesus died because he saw their worth. And therefore, you need to see it too. And here's the other question. Here's the other question. Because it's really easy to talk about it. It's really easy to think about it. But who is God calling you to be willing 
to make a sacrifice for. It's really easy to like, I, yeah, I like them and I recognize their value and I want what's best for them. But, but the, the other part of love is being willing to sacrifice. And the question is, is not, do I always need to sacrifice? No, that, maybe you have that question. No, you don't always need to sacrifice. You need to be willing to sacrifice. And so for you, just need to ask, like, who is God calling me to sacrifice for? Can you just imagine like a world? Just imagine a world with me. Where every person, especially every Christian, because I think we have a chance, every Christian just said, look, I'm going to recognize the value in every person, and I'm going to lower myself for their good. Can you imagine like how different the relationship with your parents would look? Like parents, if they were lowering themselves for their kids always, and kids, if you were lowering yourself for your parents and you were getting off your high horse and, and, and say, I want what's best for them because I see their value. Wouldn't that like change the dynamic of your relationship? Wouldn't that be absolutely incredible? Or even like in your romantic relationships, if you have them right now, like what if it wasn't about you because you saw the value in the other person? What if you were like willing to break up with somebody if it was best for them? And what if like, instead of having these petty arguments that, that high school kids are known for, but it continues to happen forever, and I'm sorry you have the bad rap for it, but, but like these petty arguments in these romantic relationships, we just lower ourselves and be like, what is best for you? And our relationship wouldn't be like, hey, let's cuddle, but it'd be like, I'm gonna just, I want what's absolutely best for you, and, and probably cuddling is not the best for you, and so I'm gonna do what's ever best for you. Wouldn't that, like, wouldn't that alter the romantic relationships that that exist in our world. And I think, honestly, if, if we just bought into a real love and we understood the definition and lived it out, then there would be less hungry people, there would be less homeless people, and the fighting within our organizations, your school, our churches, would go down and down and down. Love is them above you as their goodness you pursue because of their value. And I want to end, before we launch into... Another set of singing to Jesus. This is, this is what I want to ask you. Just to end it as you think about all that and how you treat people. Do you love God? Super easy to stick your hands in the air. Sing about your love for God when it feels good and all your friends are here. And your parents are going to be happy that you're doing it. And they might literally be watching you from the stands right now. Like, I mean, that's really good for you. But like, do you actually love him? Do you see the value and the worth of a God who, who died for your sins, who died because he loved you so much, who created you and wants to have a relationship with you and is all-powerful and all-knowing, but yet still like wants to deeply and intimately interact with you despite the fact that he knows all the things that you have done wrong and all the inadequacies that you have in your life? Do, do you like really see the value in that? And are you really seeking what is best for him? I mean, I know I, I taught in a Christian school for a couple of years and I went to a Christian university and, and I, I get it. Like sometimes you just, you just look spiritual because of you, right? I mean, you want the people next to you to think that you really love God and it's going to make you look better. And you want people to think that you're really smart when it comes to the Bible but, but are you like, would you be willing to look stupid when it comes to the Bible? And would you be willing to not put your hands in the air if it was best for God?
Are you willing to sacrifice for the absolute good, worship, honor, glory of the one who came to save each and every one of us? It's a question I want you to have. And some of you, you need to like understand it. And you, you don't, maybe you don't even believe it and you haven't accepted Jesus. You've never said like, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. And that'd be a huge first step for you. But for others of you, you're Christians. You've been Christians for a while. And, and, and I just ask, this is the commitment I want from you. I want you to commit to actually loving God and to actually loving others. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to turn it over to the band after I say a prayer. And, and Haley, I think that was Haley talking, uh, mentioned that prayer table right back there. You can go back and you can write something on it. But if you're, like, if you're at a place where you're like, I don't know if I love God, then I, I, you, you can come back there if you feel led by the Holy Spirit. And you know that feeling and you're like, man, I just need to talk to somebody because I don't really love him. And I've heard about him, and I've talked about him, and we, I know a lot about him because I go to this school, but I don't, I don't really love him. I would love to talk to you about that. And, and I'm going to ask your Bible teacher to come back there if there's multiple of you that, that need to have that conversation. And then others of you, like maybe there's just somebody you don't love. And you like you you say I just don't I can't find value in them and, and I don't love them and if you knew if and if you're thinking like if that guy's speaking right now whose name I don't remember if he knew if he knew what they did then he wouldn't even want me to love them and and I would I would love to pray with you about that and 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 just have a conversation with you. And so I'll be back there, and, and if you feel led, if you don't feel led, don't get up because it's not about you. Uh, I, if it's best for God and it's best for others that you come back there and talk to me, then do that, but not because, like, I'm going to look good if I go talk to that guy right now. I d that would be so, I mean, like, the world calls us hypocrites, and you would define that. Um, and we're going to try to avoid that. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and if you need to come back there for what is good and best for others because of their value and for God because of his value, then, then we would love to pray for you.